Hey everybody, this is Brian Brodeur, and Alex Aldea is again sitting in as guest host for me here on the East Main Podcast. Here's part two of his conversation. Take it away, Alex. Do you find that your emotions are, when you're doing a a tough scene, or you're doing something that requires you to really put it out there, do you find that you need some time to, to get that back, or how does that end up working for you? I think it depends with every scene, mm-hmm. but I've trained myself, and I will say my acting teacher, Sean Folster, is so wonderful because at the end of the day, you're just doing your job. Actors are the bravest people on earth because you're wearing your emotions and you're being honest in front of the world. But I've learned, and he has taught me, it's okay to be vulnerable and let your emotions go for the sake of the work. Sure. And then once it's over, cut the heartstrings and just remind yourself that it was only, it was you're only lending yourself for that scene. Mm-hmm. If I have to do a really emotional scene where it's just bare, you're bearing your heart and you're extremely vulnerable and open, I'll definitely need some time to prepare for that mentally, physically. Once I'm there, you do the scene and then afterwards, Sometimes it's really easy for me to be like, woof, all right, got through that, what's next? You know, I'm fine. And then if I am still a little sensitive, mm-hmm. I'll just remind myself within like two or three minutes, especially on set, because you don't have that much time. No, you got to go to the next you don't. one. Absolutely. I'll, I'll just mentally remind myself, I'll put my hand on my heart and say, thank you for sharing that with us. It was really great, really brave of you, Rihanna. It was for the sake of the work. Mm-hmm. And you can let that part go now. It just recenters me. So that doesn't bleed into my personal life. And that's a great way to approach it, I think, in a very, I don't know, holistic way to approach it. And yeah. at the same time, too, a lot of people, my dance teachers would say, like, guys, check your drama at the door. When you come to dance class, you come to dance class. It's kind of what we have to do as actors, too. It's like once you step on to the stage or onto like right in front of the set, it's kind of like you're there to work. Mm-hmm. So you do your work and you do whatever you need to. Bring your personal life. But once that's done and the scene is over and you did what you had to do, cut it, let it go, find yourself back in the real world. You've done some stage work, and whether musical or otherwise, and now you've done, well, for a while now, you've done some some film and TV. So what to you are the big differences between the two? There's something inside me that's saying, oh, stage is bigger. We use that a lot as actors, bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to get smaller for this. So just say what that means to you, because I'm uh, sure. For, what it means to me is that. is more animated. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, depending on where you are, you have to make sure that the, the last person in the back row can hear you and see you and feel you. So everything is bigger, literally. Everything is more heightened. But the more that I see professional theater shows the more that I'm realizing it's not the case anymore. Maybe in the past, or maybe that was just me as a young actor. Now that I'm older, it's the same amount of character homework. It's the same skill. It's the same work that you do. It's the same depth emotionally, intensity-wise. It's just a matter of the how coming out. So when you're on a stage, you have to be loud, so you just, you, you still have the same amount of emotion that you would for a TV and film, except you just have to heighten your voice a little bit. 
and you don't have to move your face that much. But the thing that theater will not forgive you with that you can easily get away with, with in film is your physical life. When you're on stage, you are a complete being. Mm-hmm. So all of your actor bad habits, ticks, whatever you want to call it, they will show. Mm-hmm. And they will either be distracting or, I mean, maybe they'll lend themselves to the characters, but most of the time I find no. And with theater, you really have to be very grounded because anything could happen. Your prop could fall and break or your costume could rip in the middle of the scene and you have to deal with it. You can't pretend like it's not there. So with theater, it's really about living, being completely present. And that filters in with acting for TV and film. Yes, all of those things are really important, but you can get away with certain things because it's a matter of what the camera wants you to see. So for example, I've been on set with other actors where they like to fidget with their hands. For some reason, I don't know if they're nervous, probably tension, or maybe they just memorize the scene the night before, but they'll like fidget with their hands a lot. So the way that the camera will maneuver around that is they'll just crop the hands out mm-hmm. so it's not distracting. But if you take that act and you put them on stage, that's going to be distracting and no one's going to like that. So it's still a matter of the same everything. It's just a matter of the delivery. Mm-hmm. In theater, you have to be very grounded in your physicality and your voice. It's a little bit more technical. And in theater and film, it's more about being present well, like when you're acting, you're acting under the mi- under a microscope. So you don't really need to smile really big for someone to get you. It's more or less like you could just smile with your eyes and the audience will get it. Hmm. Sorry, I get really excited about the difference between them because they're so similar, yet the execution is different. Yeah. But you can still make them work because some of the greatest actors are theater trained. Denzel, Meryl Streep, James Earl Jones. They all have a in-depth theater knowledge, and then they take it to acting, and you're like, oh, okay, they're still doing the same amount of work. Oh, sure. You know, they're still being honest, they're still being truthful, they're still present. It's just the how. That's very cool. (laughs) (laughs) So what about, I mean, obviously in a theater you get the one take because it's live, Mm. And, and so that's another little piece of it that you can, not that you can slack off in film, but... You can slack off in film. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's different. How so? I think it's completely different because in theater, you're right. It's one take. You're in and out in three hours. You either were living in it or you weren't. Mm. Whereas I noticed that I have a harder time on set because you're playing a mental game now. Mm-hmm. You could do the scene perfectly. Everything as an actor, you set out to do and you did it successfully. But guess what? You have to do it again because the lighting wasn't right. So that takes gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to play a mental game of rewinding, getting back to where you were at the top of the scene. And you're not going to do the same take the same way over and over again. It's going to be different every time. And that's the trick that I find. It's harder with film because you have to do the same scene and it's going to be different every single time. Whereas theater, it is what it is that night. Mm-hmm. So that brings up a good point because directing, of course, the director wants you to do every take the same way or close to mm-hmm. sometimes. Well, certainly for continuity. Like if you're drinking something, you better be drinking that thing at the same time every time. Yes. 
you know, I've gotten direction from directors. Now it could be, you know, more in the indie film scene. It's maybe a little bit different type of directing than you would get at the studio level. But a lot of it, you know, it said, well, it's going to be really hard for editing if you do different stuff each time or maybe different emotions each time or, or something like that. But as an actor, that's a kind of hard because you, you're dealing with the truth and maybe your truth is not the same each time. Maybe you're reacting to a different stimulus. That's where I use my favorite word. Is that director an actor's director? Mm-hmm. A lot of directors are very good, but they really don't know the acting portion. Whereas the good directors understand every take is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And the good actors are only going to respond truthfully and in the moment each time with the other actor. But if the other actor is doing something off-putting that take, it would be wrong to deny myself that instinct Mm -hmm. to react. Like, you know, say we're in a scene Mm -hmm. and we have the same dialogue Except the way that you say your line was really snarky, and mm-hmm. it pissed me off. Right. And the take before, I'm supposed to be really happy. But this time, you're making me angry. If I deny that, I'm not being truthful, and I'm not doing my job. Mm-hmm. And the camera especially will see that. So an actor's director could understand that. And at least for me, maybe because I'm biased, because I'm an actor, I'm mm-hmm. not a director... I can understand for continuity purposes and editing that that's not good. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's all about options too. Sure. So sometimes the person will do the same thing each time. And A, it's not truthful every time. But B, it just, you don't know what could happen. Like in Pretty Woman, for example, the, you know the scene where she reaches for the diamonds and he closes it on her mm-hmm. and she laughs? Yeah. It's like an iconic scene. Sure. That was completely improvised. They did that take, I forget how many times, but the director was like, there's something missing. I don't know what it is. Give me something different. So Richard Gere was like, okay, boom, made the movie. One of the most iconic scenes in the movie. But it's because that director allowed that spontaneity. If he just wanted the same thing over and over again, to be honest, I don't think that's acting because you don't really have a chance to play or find out where could the scene go. Okay, that take, it led us down this road. Okay, let's do it this time and see, you know. You bring up a great point. There's a school of thought, and it's a kind of an outside-in versus inside-out type of acting. So inside-out acting is more of what the Americans do. It's a very, whether it's the method or Meisner or a lot of this, where we sort of manufacture an emotion inside and we bring it to the outside. Whereas more of a British school, classical acting is from the outside-in. There could be a lot of things, regardless of what you're necessarily feeling, you're portraying something from the outside, more of a Shakespearean style. Do you have a preference in what you like to do? What I found with British acting versus American acting, British people are very good with just doing the verb. Mm -hmm. It's like, I am mocking you, and they just do it. Mm -hmm. That's it. They just do the verb. Whereas actors... At least for me, and like in what I've noticed with American actors, it is a little bit more about emotions and letting the emotions take you and the how and, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they do go hand in hand because you still have to do something to the other person. You still have a verb or whatever, whatever term you want to use. You're still doing something. You still have an objective. But I guess with the British, they don't worry so much about 
getting their emotions involved, mm -hmm. whereas I will use a lot of the British techniques, mm -hmm. but I will include my feelings. So I'll still be doing the verb, just like they do, technically, but my how each time is going to be different. Mm -hmm. Maybe my how I say the line will have a snarkiness on it. Maybe my how this time will have a sort of flattery, but that's the play. That's why I do this work is because you're still doing something, but it will change every time just a little bit, depending on what's going on, how the actor's looking at you, or is somebody moving behind set that's distracting you and you let that come through. We'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. So Matthew McConaughey is an actor who likes to just be told, hey, what's my verb? Just tell me my verb. And I'm going to, he's very physical, very emotionally driven based on the action words mm -hmm. of, of what's happening. And then other actors are much more cerebral. Not that he's not, but they want things explained to them. They have all kinds of motivations that they get explained. How do you like a director, I mean, in an ideal world, how do you like a director to speak with you or to you when you're in a scene about about your scene? Can you explain a little bit more specifically what you mean by cerebral? Sure. So Angelina Jolie, for instance, heard a lot about her acting style. She wants to understand the in-depth background of the character. She wants to understand, okay, what is the motivation? What are the, all the relationships here? How does everything fit together? And I want to talk with my director a lot about that and get all that background. Shia LaBeouf does that a lot, where he requires very little direction on the day of because ahead of time he's already planned and talked to his director to a great extent about everything regarding his character. So he's got such a wealth of understanding and knowledge of the character that on the day of he requires hardly any, whereas Matthew McConaughey is much more in the moment, much more in the, just give me the verb and I'll just do that. Okay, uh, I'm attacking here. Okay, attacking, that's that's what I'm focusing on. And so when a director speaks to you, what serves you best? I think that would be circumstantial because mm -hmm. I've had both. Okay. When you know your character so well and you've done all of your homework, and you've gone through the script a hundred times and you've gotten all the clues and you've spoken to the director about, hey, I just want to make sure like this is where I'm going with the character. Is that cool? Because you know your character so well, I feel like the verb will just kind of come. You'll already know. Mm -hmm. You already know so much. You're like, she's trying to do this. This is what's happening. I think I would be, if I had to choose, I would say I'm more of the cerebral person because once you know everything about their character, you can understand where they're coming from, and the verb will come to you. Whereas if you just choose the verb, I feel like you don't have as much support because now you're going like, well, still though, how is my character feeling about all of these things that's happening? But I think for me it's about understanding the background mm -hmm. because that will inform why they're doing that verb. I'm sure a lot of people are amalgams of all of these things. You know, I think I've brought up 
two people that are very particular in their ways of being, but that doesn't mean every actor is that way. So Yeah, and it doesn't mean yeah. like they're like that every time. Right. Maybe it was just that character, that specific thing that they were trying to just make sure at the same time they do, they're like A-list stars so they can bug the director every day <laughs> with questions, whereas we can't. You bring up an interesting thing because when you get to a certain level of, let's say, success, notoriety, demand, you get to function in a very different way maybe with your directors and your producers and your writers. A lot of the scenes and a lot of, especially on these some of these TV shows, they start to write to you rather than to the character. And so it becomes very easy to do the character and much more natural because they are, in essence, writing you out there. Obviously not you yourself, but the way that you act, your particular proclivities and everything like that. So that's a fascinating thing and something that's, uh, well, it's something to shoot for. Well, that's why, yeah, and that's also why I'm saying, like, if you know your character, like, who cares what verb they're going to, like, oh, why don't you mock instead? It doesn't matter because your character, you're like, you're creating it. You are them. But, like, if you rock that character, then they will write for you. What was that show? I'm sorry, I'm showing my age, but it was like, it was some, it was, oh, oh, no, no, it was Happy Days. And then after Happy Days, they wrote like, Joni loves Chachi and stuff because they already had such a great following. Everybody already liked them mm-hmm. because they already had a nice fan base. They had their characters. They established the relationship. And they're like, let's write a, another spinoff off of this. Yeah. This went down the tubes. And then <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll happen. So when you rock a scene, what's that like for you? afterwards you know you killed it whatever happened in that scene was the best thing that could have happened to be honest that those moments are few and far between for me Mm -hmm. i am the worst person for myself (laughs) almost every single time i do a scene in class on set anywhere i'm always the worst person in the whole room i did terrible i wasn't truthful i wasn't acting on my instincts every time this is in your own mind of course yes Mm -hmm. so very I'll tell rarely, you based on past experience, you're hardly ever the worst person. Well, thank you. <laughs> but so very rarely will I like actually walk off set and be like, I nailed it. So to be honest, I can't really answer that question because I might have had that feeling maybe once or twice in my life, mm-hmm. and I f- I forget it now because that's gone. <laughs> so self criticism is an important part of acting, I think, and it keeps us honest and it keeps us humble when we're moving, so we don't think we just rocked everything. I also think that goes into um, this business, acting, any anything, acting, music, art in general. It's very easy to fall into that ego and like, I'm such a big deal. Like, my biggest pet peeve is just meeting you and you telling me your resume. Mm. I can't stand that. And for all you people listening, <laughs> please be aware if you are one of these people, just be aware at least for me, I don't care who you've worked with, mm-hmm. how many credits you have. I want to know if you're being honest with me right now or if you're just trying to impress me or if, like, what, what, what are you doing right now? Why do you need to, to bring all of that up? And that, to me, is a huge, like, red flag. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I personally have a lot of self-criticism because I never want to get to that point. I never want to say to you, hi, I'm, I'm Rihanna Reddick. It's very nice to meet you. Yeah, so this is what I've done, and let me just spew my resume on you for the next five minutes because I'm a big deal, and you should know why I'm a big deal, and therefore you should respect me because it's coming out of my own insecurity that you don't really like me yet. 
Ooh, there's some interesting psychology there. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, no, but hey, I, thank you for being truthful about that because that's that's um, I feel the same, and I'm sure a lot of other people do. That there's a uh, we're asked as actors to portray a character, but we're people, I mean, real people with real emotions and real feelings, and and I think it's important to understand and cultivate that reality behind the scenes. It's very important. I remember Denzel Washington. I was listening to an interview, and I absolutely love his work. I think he is very good at at distinguishing his personal life from his work. And he said, I I forget, I honestly forget what this subject was. A reporter was like telling him how amazing he was or or something that he did, like a a role. Mm -hmm. And he's like, let me stop you right there. I'm just an actor. So when you like are praising me like this or whatever whatever the interviewee was saying, he was like, I want you to know that I'm just an actor portraying a character. These parents who are sending their kids off to Afghanistan and who are dealing with their kids going through an addiction or whatever, he's like, they're the real heroes. He's like, not me. So he's like, I don't I don't want you to put me on this pedestal because at the end of the day, I'm portraying somebody else. These are real people going through real things. They're the heroes. And I thought that was the greatest thing I've ever heard because it's true Mm -hmm. we're just actors at the end of the day we're not that big of a deal you know yes we're very brave wearing our hearts on our sleeves but he was very good at separating the two and knowing when I have to turn it on and when I have to turn it off and not letting the ego get involved I love that I'll send it to you I'll send the link send it to me it was beautiful though especially him he's far more eloquent than I am so (laughs) the way that he came off short (laughs) the way that he came off it was really beautiful great so any future projects anything you've got going on that you want to chat about um future projects whether music or yeah I'm actually going into the recording studio in a couple weeks I want to say like in three weeks Mm -hmm. just to put out some more singles I don't I did an EP which consisted of six songs. Okay. And it was really great, but I wrote that when I, I wrote those songs when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm much more of of a woman now, so I figured <laughs> I should probably update my songs a little bit, at least uh, that's not like in my room, mm-hmm. and figure release them out to the world. Um, so I'm planning to get into the studio again soon. Wonderful. I'm still doing the American Bombshells. Yeah, let's and, talk a little um, bit about that. I mean, it's it's a great organization. It's a 501c3, mm-hmm. and we basically, it's a, a modern twist to the Andrew sisters, and we go around to wounded warriors, veterans, and spread um, patriotism, mm-hmm. and it is definitely the most humbling experience of my life. I will say it's the best job in the whole world, and I think a lot of people, I understand there's a lot of criticism with what's going on politically. Sure. Everything is going in polar opposites. You're either a hard wing right or you're a hard wing left and in between you're you're lost. Uh, but I will say at the end of the day, we need to pay respects to the soldiers mm-hmm. and the veterans. And you, you can be against the war, but you still can't deny the fact that they went over and they lived in fear and paranoia, dealt with bombs, guns all around them, losing their best friend. Countless soldiers lost their limbs. Um, this one this one guy I was talking to said that he held his best friend, his best friend in his arms as he died because he got shot a couple times. And I was like, 
and here I am crying at night because I'm sad that like I'm not getting any auditions. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, you know, you hear stories like that and it's like at the end of the day, like you should be getting a lot of respect. And at least for me personally, I feel like we don't take care of our soldiers enough. Like when they come home, they should be getting jobs immediately. They should There should be a lot more programs that helps them go from war life to getting back to reality. If that may, I mean, it's a completely different lifestyle now. Sure. And even houses, you know, obviously we give them free education. That's wonderful. But I feel like we should give um, we should give them a lot more credit than I think we do. I think the media is focusing so much on creating this hatred or this this division. Yeah, yeah if that's you what, yeah. Sure, they're creating this division, and unfortunately, we should be uniting on some basic things. And you make such a great point, irrespective of politics, regardless of how you feel about the powers that be currently or historically or whatever, honoring these folks mm -hmm. that have given sometimes the ultimate sacrifice yeah. for and our they've freedoms. gone through stuff. They've gone I've through hell. I've heard 100%. horror stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what you do where you sing for them in a sort of a U uh, USO type of way Similar. is, mm -hmm. and that brings them obviously a lot of comfort, a lot of enjoyment. I think, you know what it is at the end of the day too, is like, we're, yes, we're just singing and we're dancing for them, but it's the fact that we are thanking them. Mm -hmm. I think the greatest, the greatest thing you could give anybody is your time, Sure, but also just thanking them. I don't think that soldiers get thank you enough. I, I agree wholeheartedly. So anything else before we wrap up? No. You're Not good. unless you have any questions for me. <laughs> I have a lot of questions for you. Um, but uh, I, I think we've we've covered a really good cross-section of, of everything. So I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I've learned some stuff. <laughs> oh, dear. Take it with a grain of salt, please. I'm just mad in my own head. <laughs> We're all mad here, in the words of uh, Alice in Wonderland. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of East Main Media, hosted by Brian Brodeur. Special thanks to audio engineer J.P. Conk and senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thanks for listening.